Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. This is season one, episode nine of the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about DNA testing, which is now very popular in the health and fitness space. DNA testing information gives us a really good insight into how our bodies work. We can then use this information to improve our health and fitness results. Today's guest is Angela Foster, who is a health and performance coach and founder of My DNA Edge. Hi, Angela. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Darren. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Pleasure. Absolutely. It's great to have you come on. So, um, yeah, everything DNA. So before we kind of get into the depths of, of DNA testing, Angela, can you give us a bit of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I started in a completely different area. I was a corporate lawyer and um, had been working very hard, was trying to combine that very busy lifestyle with a young family um, and pretty much reached burnout and ended up in hospital with uh, pneumonia quite suddenly, fighting for my life. And that kind of was a landmark change for me. Um, when I got better and left hospital, I kind of felt so grateful to be alive that that's when I really started researching how can we be healthy and stay healthy and really looking into longevity. And that's when I then completely rechanged career and trained as a nutritionist and a holistic health coach and got into genetic testing because I knew that I had a very strong family history of heart disease and diabetes in the family. And having kind of had a run in with my health, I was keen to explore whether our genes were our destiny um, and as you know, that they're not. And actually, we can influence um, the way that our genes behave to a great extent. And kind of only around 5% of diseases that we suffer um, are actually down to one gene, for example, that causes that. So, And now I founded My DNA Edge basically to help people get lean and healthy and full of energy and vitality um, and live not just um, not just longevity in terms of living longer but what I call the state of juvenescence which is that that age of youthfulness for life yeah Angela that's yeah that's really useful and I think this whole emergence of um, genetic testing and DNA testing in the world of, of what's called kind of meditech is so interesting because for decades we've been kind of using um, kind of external factors of maybe losing weight or gaining muscle or getting fitter to kind of determine whether or not we're healthy. But actually, what goes on inside, we've never, I don't think we've ever been in a period where we've been able to really delve in that deep. Um, and obviously, DNA testing is just one element in that. So I think it's um, so so valuable. So so in terms of when we when we term the phrase DNA testing, what actually does does that mean? Yeah, so what we're looking at is most people have heard of genes, and genes are basically segments of DNA. And um, we produce various proteins and enzymes in our body that are the building blocks for life. And what we're looking at is small variations um, in that genetic blueprint 
that um, may affect us in one way. Now, specifically here, we tend to test genes that have been well studied that we know we can positively influence through our nutrition, our lifestyle, our exercise, our sleep, our stress. So at I think what's different about my DNA Edge to many of the testing companies out there is that we're looking to optimize your genetic expression. So we do do DNA testing, as I've mentioned, to see what those SNPs are. But we're also looking at the overall holistic package of making sure that you're getting optimal expression. And there's so many factors that affect that from our sleep, our food, um, our stress levels, even our thoughts are affecting the expression of our genes moment to moment. Um, but specifically, we when we're testing, it's a very simple saliva test where we look at certain panels to see what the underlying sensitivities of that particular client is. So, right. for example, it's, it's very useful in um, discovering people's tolerance and processing of carbohydrates and fats. Um, so I use this a lot in people that are struggling with weight loss or fat loss more particularly, um, and want to understand what is the best diet for them because there is no one size fits all in terms of diet. And this concept of personalized nutrition is now really emerging. Yeah. Um, not, yeah. not just with DNA, but also looking at people's um, gut bacteria, looking at their food intolerances. And I think it's about looking at that package together um, and that's that's what we do is put together coaching programs that basically address all of those issues for optimal health. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think the point that you picked up on there is that there is no one size fits all. And again, you know, people tend to pick up on the the latest diet that's out there because um, you know some people have got results. It could be a celebrity, or it could be people they know. You know, the, the big one that I'm aware of at the moment is ketogenic diet. Everybody wants to eat high fat, low carbs, all the rest of it. But if your body type is not that way, and your body type needs carbs, then it's not going to work for you, is it? And it's 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 very interesting that we can now go in, in you know we can get this kind of magnifying glass out and we can look inside to see actually what is right for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned a very good point there, because, for example, the ketogenic diet, some people are getting amazing results, yeah. but we don't necessarily know the long term health repercussions of this. They may be seeing physical results in terms of fat loss. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of people that I see that actually don't get any results with it. But generally right. speaking, if you're doing a keto diet properly, then you're looking at um, a 70% fat with around 5% of net carbs and about 25% protein. Yeah. And in that scenario, and you've probably seen this online in the communities yourself, um, people are consuming around 20 to 30% often of saturated fats. And what we know is, is that depending on variants that you have, there's a specific gene known as the APOE gene, um, you may actually be processing fats and cholesterol in a different way, which heightens your risk for things like Alzheimer's. Yeah. And, you know, in that section of the population, for example, consuming more than 5 to 10% of your calories from saturated fats would be um, adverse potentially. So it, it's quite a serious thing. I think for anyone before they really embark on this um, concept of, of following a particular nutrition plan, it's about personalizing that nutrition. And as you say, we now in an affordable way have this technology available to enable people to do that. Yeah, definitely. I think it, yeah, I think it's, it's very, very important. And actually I think the other side of it as well is where you know, people have tried things, it's not worked and they failed and that frustration builds and they, they could get the, con the concept or misconception at least that, 
oh, this kind of diet thing or healthy eating thing doesn't work for me. No, what you've actually tried, that that process that you've tried doesn't work for your body type. Now you can actually get the looking glass out and find out what does work. So I think that's, yeah, that's really important. So in terms of, obviously we've discussed about what the, the DNA testing is, genetic testing. So specifically around diet and specifically around kind of fat loss, what would the testing tell us or does it does the test actually need to be interpreted by someone like yourself can we just get a test take the take the results and then go and implement it to get the you know the fat loss that we want or the weight loss that we want or the physique how how does it how how can it help us yeah so that's an interesting question there are some dna testing companies um out there that do just sell tests online um at my dna edge that's not something we do because what i've found through experience is that people find those reports very difficult to use and actually make they may get an overview but they don't know how to put them into practice and then it just becomes shelf help so um, it's about coaching people to really understand the data because there's a lot in there that they can use. So, for example, if we take uh, your example of somebody who's struggling with fat loss and maybe they've tried a few different diets, it may be that they're not getting their macronutrients right, as you've mentioned. So they may not be having the right proportion of protein, carbs and fats. But then it may also be down to the fact that perhaps they've got very high levels of inflammation in the body. Right. And we know that inflammation will inhibit fat loss. Now, by looking at specific parts of their genetics, we can see whether their inflammation levels are likely to be driven up higher. And if they are, we can take steps nutritionally and lifestyle-wise to actually lower inflammation. Yeah. And so there's that behind-the-scenes um, data that we can get from their genetics as well. We can also see how well they are detoxifying as a function of their genetics right. and then introduce foods that can aid in that process because the main things that really keep us healthy or inhibit health, the two biggest things to get right is inflammation and blood sugar balance. Right. So what we know is, is that if our blood sugar is high, then insulin's high and that promotes the body to store fat. And if inflammation is high, that will also in turn cause that and also chronic diseases to develop over time, such as heart disease, diabetes. And inflammation can be raised by a number of different factors. That can be through stress. It can be through um, toxic overload, um, through heavy metals. It can be through food intolerances. Yeah. And, you know, what we do is we use the um, DNA test as the underlying test to understand the blueprint for that client and then where we might need to look further. Yeah. Um, and we combine it with questionnaires. So the laboratory use has questionnaires alongside it as part of their algorithm. Right. Because it may be that you, for example, find out that you do have a higher risk for something like celiac disease or gluten sensitivity. But if your questionnaires are not showing that that's being expressed, then that wouldn't necessarily be the go-to point for you. Right. Um, it might be that other things are coming up. Yeah. And we coach clients through that process um, over a number of weeks so that they can get the end results. Yeah, and I think that's really key. And we, we were talking before we started recording, actually, that you know the, the DNA testing is, is one element and it will give you, give, you some, give you some results. But actually, you do need someone like yourself who understands the, the real depths of of genetics and how it works to kind of interpret it into a meaningful way that you can implement it. And I quite like the phrase that you used there, was it shelf health? 
where you, you kind of get your results and you stick them on the shelf because you don't really understand what you need to do with them. So I think, yeah, I think that's uh, that's yeah. really key. Okay, so so you know we we're talking about the various different ways that we can optimize um, our diet and our fitness based on the results, but. At a higher level, prior to doing any kind of DNA testing, what would you say is a kind of the basics of a well-balanced diet? Because, you know, all too often I see specifically, and this is specifically with men, and this actually was me years ago, that by doing exercise, by doing fitness, the perception is, well, that's I've done that because I've done that fitness, so I can just eat what I like. But mm. realize that you can't train out a bad diet. So... What would you say is the, the you know the good yeah. of a balanced diet? You're absolutely right. You can't out train a bad diet, and I think what happens is, and often with guys, this is the case in particular, um, is that you get away with it in your twenties because your metabolic rate is that much higher, and then as you get older, and you know testosterone can start to be lowered. Um, you're getting disrupted night's sleep, and so you're not producing necessarily as much growth hormone. You're losing muscle mass. I think it's around 1% a year, and that's dramatically affecting metabolism. So all these things come and play a part, and people find that all of a sudden now they just need to like look at something and they're putting on weight, particularly around the abdominal area. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely things you can do with diet, which I'll, I'll go through those first, and then there's some lifestyle things that are important okay. as well. Um, in terms of diet, the biggest thing, as we've already touched on, is to make sure that you are keeping your blood glucose stable. And there's a few ways to do this. I always recommend that people have an overnight fast of a minimum 12 hours. Okay. Um, so that, and, and I, in an ideal world, and this won't be easy for everyone if they're working late and long hours, but try to have three hours between your evening meal and going to bed. Right. So that what you're doing is you're not loading up um, on calories before bed that your body doesn't really need to use and it will disrupt your sleep um, when it should be repairing. And and we know the benefits of intermittent fasting in, in that process. Yeah. So what that means is, is if you've had that 12-hour fast, then you're going to wake up in the morning, not in ketosis, but moving towards a more fat-burning basis because you will have used up a lot of the glycogen in your liver. Right. And so I then recommend that people will move around first thing mm-hmm. um, before they really eat or drink anything. Hydrate, definitely with water, um, but kind of nothing more. And that can be anything from gentle stretching to walking or doing some light exercise. Yeah. Um, then I would break that fast with a meal that contains protein and fats. Yeah. I think that's where people, the biggest fall down is, is that they have a carbohydrate-based breakfast. Yeah. And what that does is it then just switches the body straight back into a sugar burning mode. And it's very hard over the day then to resist um, snacking or going for another carbohydrate based lunch because your blood sugar levels are going up and down. And people can gain an idea of how sensitive they are to carbs by journaling. So the first thing I get my clients to do is actually to spend a week writing down what they've eaten and how they feel 30 minutes afterwards and two hours afterwards. Um, And this is not so much here. It it helps with food intolerances, but it's also to kind of get an idea of how is that food affecting your performance. So a common thing I'll see is that a lot of people will describe the fact that they get brain fog or tiredness in the afternoon. And, And some of that is down to our circadian clock, this kind of postprandial dip. But a lot of it is the fact that we've maybe consumed extra carbohydrates at lunch. And then once our blood sugar goes up and comes back down, We've then got food cravings and we're feeling the effects and we're tired. 
Um, so I, what I like to do and what I practice myself is to go for a much more of a vegetables, protein and fat based breakfast and lunch. Um, and then, uh, have some carbohydrates in the evening in terms of whole food carbohydrates. Cause I think it can really help like sweet potato or some brown rice or wild rice can really help you to sleep and give you that kind of release of, yeah. um, happy hormones and, and help with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's really key. And and, and the, the breakfast thing as well is is so so important. I think you're absolutely right. You know, if you feast on a on a, a breakfast full of carbohydrates, the likelihood is, you know, it spikes your blood sugar that much is that once you get to the office or you get to work or whatever and you sit down, you have this massive crash. And mm. you know, from a cognitive, from an alertness function, that kind of makes you very um you know not as effective as you perhaps might do had you had a different type breakfast um and yeah i've i've certainly felt that if i've had you know a a carbohydrate based breakfast um but in terms of when you talk about a protein and fats type breakfast give us some examples of what that could contain in terms from a food perspective okay sure so for example you could have um some like avocado with say some lemon juice tabasco chili seeds and maybe even some smoked salmon on top um avocado is great healthy fats good source of vitamin e something that i see a lot of time is that people need way more vitamin e than they think when i dna test them um any form of eggs is always a good choice but eating the whole egg so you've got the fats with it not just the egg white and that can be you know with you know, spinach and mushroom in an omelette with a bit of cheese or um, any way you like them, really. Right. Um, you know, some days, of course, have, like, say, a piece of sourdough, which is fermented and better on the gut yeah. um, with it. Uh, protein shakes, like a vegan protein powder with almond butter, coconut oil, some greens, um, and maybe some raw cacao powder thrown in for flavor can be a good option. Um, and then sometimes, for example, I'll have coconut yogurt. You want to check that with these things, they've not got, say, corn flour added yeah. in just to cook in it. Yeah. But if you've got something like, I think it's Rebel Kitchen, you know, organic um, coconut yogurt, it's quite high in fats. And you can have that with some berries, which are a lower glycemic fruit and some cut pumpkin seeds or chia seeds and some nuts, um, whole, you know, raw almonds things like that are going to stabilize your blood sugar over the morning much better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's around kind of um, the food that we buy as well. I think we need to become way, way more conscious about what is in the food that's been produced because, you know, even the, the stuff that we're talking about here, like, you know, some of your almond milk, some of your soya milks, like you've mentioned there, coconut yogurt, you have to look at what's in the ingredients for those because even though we know that they're the, a variation of those is healthy unfortunately the food producers um to get the shelf life and the longevity and all that kind of stuff put stuff in there which either bulks up the product or gives it a longer shelf life so it's very very important that people i think become way more conscious about what's in their food yeah absolutely and i think things like Unfortunately, what happens is, as you say, is there's fads and people are, oh, well, I mustn't drink cow's milk, therefore I'll go for these milk substitutes. But, you know, soy is not really designed to be eaten unless it's fermented yeah. um, and in very small amounts. And so, and, and as you say, many of them, for example, a coconut milk may contain, you know, lots of other ingredients and it might even be mostly rice rather than coconut just because it's got a small amount of coconut, they call it coconut milk. And it's becoming aware of those labels, as you say, yeah. but trying to eat foods as much as you can without labels. 
Yeah, and I think we we may have already touched on this just previously, but what's your view on kind of the you know the popular diets? With you know, I'm talking about things like paleo, about you know um, South Beach diet, keto, all this kind of stuff. What's your view on those and with the approach to kind of getting a whole a well balanced you know nutrition and, and kind of fitness in your daily lives? Is it is it are we going back to just follow a balanced diet or do you think they do have a place in, in kind of in the, in nutrition space? I mean, I think, I think they have, I think they do. Some of them do have a place and I think um, ketosis can work a ketogenic diet for some people, as we already touched on, you know, there are gene variants where it wouldn't be suitable. Um, I think you have to take into account the kind of um, level of activity that people are doing. So people that are sedentary are going to need way less carbohydrates than somebody like yourself who's very active. Um, I think also in terms of the keto, if a true ketogenic diet, a lot of people maybe don't understand it fully and they're not following it in the right way. And so they're really limiting the vitamins and minerals that they can get from fruit and veg. I'm not a big advocate of fruit, but vegetables in particular. So I tend to go with what is, I suppose, a modified version of of keto. I think if you can fill your plate half with non-starchy vegetables, and then the other section would be, say, a quarter of the plate with protein, good quality source from, say, grass-fed beef or wild fish um, or seafood, and then um, some fats alongside it with maybe a small amount, as we say, once or twice a day of, of, of starchy carbs from the whole food variety, you're pretty much, you know, on your way to getting it right. It then just needs adjusting according to your genetics, your lifestyle, your fitness, um, and you're also, you, you know, what you're trying to achieve at that point. Yeah. Um, you'll know yourself from competing that you need to periodize training and, you know, people will need to adjust their diets during those periods. Yeah, and I think it, like you said, you know, you have to understand what your objectives are from the outset to to pick, you know, the, the balanced diet that you need. So as you mentioned, you know, for me, ketogenic would it just won't work for me because I need the level of carbohydrates I need based on the training that I'm doing. I wouldn't be able to do the distances that I did if I just, you know, survived completely on a on a fat based diet. I do need that level of carbohydrates. But 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 also you know if you get if you get somebody who is you know wants to drop a few pounds or specifically you know they want to drop weight then that's a whole different type of of eating kind of um, process that you want to go through. I'm, I'm trying to avoid using the, the specific diets because I don't like to use specific diets. But it's 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 the point I'm trying to make is it's about understanding what your objective is because I think all too often they go for the solution before they understand the objective. Yeah, very much so. And I think then people hop around between one. I'm not a fan of diets either, as you say, but, um, you know, they hop around between one diet plan and another. And they actually end up spending quite a bit of money on it and not getting results. And, you know, with keto, for example, people complain of the keto flu because as soon as you drop carbohydrates to that extent, then you are going to lose a lot of water. Um, And then that really affects the mineral balance in the body. So if people aren't replacing that with electrolytes, particularly the higher exercisers, then they're going to feel pretty rough on it. And I think, you know, it doesn't take a lot to have, you know, a program designed for you, personalized nutrition, but it's um, also important to look at the lifestyle factors and look at the load that's on you at the same time, because 
you know, a lot of people have quite a significant amount of exposure to toxins, yeah. which will make their bodies naturally hang on to fat because that's where we store them to keep our bodies safe. Yeah. And for you to lose that fat, those toxins have got to be released back into the body. Yeah. And so that's why we look at the lifestyle, look at stress levels. Um, if you've got constant st- sustained high cortisol, then over time, your cortisol basically was designed, the stress hormone was designed for us to fight or flee. So once cortisol is released, that dumps glucose into the blood so that you can either fight or flee. Yeah. Now, most people are sitting at their desk really, really highly stressed. So once that glucose comes in, insulin has to rise basically to take the sugar out of the blood. And what do we know? That insulin is a fat storage hormone. So you get into this cycle. Um, But also, you know, even reducing radiation, we're around computers a lot, mobile phones, turning your Wi-Fi off at night, all of those things are really, really important to health. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, some of the people listening to this might think, that's crazy, you know, all these toxins we're talking about and radiation. But you know what? It's very, very real. We've become... Um, a very want everything now kind of nation or population if you like and we've got all these devices that are emitting all these kind of radio waves and then we've got all these toxins from just you know either traveling on the tube being outside getting it from food getting it from packaging and we just don't realize how much of it is about but equally we don't realize how much that has an impact on our health, our wellness. And we're kind of taking it a little bit off topic here, but this whole wellness, I call it like a, a wellness circle, is all very relevant to coming back to fat loss and diet and fitness, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely it is. And I think, you know, there's there's been thousands, I think it's about 20,000 studies on electromagnetic radiation, um, EMF. And I think, you know, there is this concept of particular 5G coming, you know, we may be looking at the new smoking. I think it yeah. is serious and people aren't taking it yeah. seriously enough because these things happen over time, Absolutely. over a long period. Yeah. Um, but you can't avoid it, right? We live right. in a modern world, you know, but it's about packing your diet with as much nutrient dense. I always think crowd out, crowd out rather than take out. So if you crowd your diet out with you're basically crowding out the bad stuff with all the high nutrient dense food you're putting in, you're going to be helping to protect yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good way of framing it actually. Uh, I've not heard that used before, but that's that's a really good way. And and the other the other thing is I think is clean out your cupboards. Take out crap that you don't need. Take out all the crap that is a temptation. And then it's quite easy to live this balanced kind of healthy lifestyle because you haven't got it in the cupboard, you know. Um, yeah. You can go down the road and buy it. But the difference is if it's not there on hand, then you, you can't access it. So, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of like, what are the five key kind of actions or recommendations um, you could you could recommend that the listeners can take away today to make a positive change um, and also use DNA testing to support that? So specifically, is this positive changes to their diets, to their nutrition? Yeah. 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 So um, the first one I would say is be really, really careful with the fats you consume. We definitely need more fats in our diet than many of us are consuming, but we need to be very careful with the ones that we um, consume. So for example, processed vegetable or seed oils are not healthy. They are highly oxidized and often rancid and will be, you'll find them in supermarkets in plastic bottles and they can cause significant arterial damage. Um, So if you're looking at protecting yourself from things like heart disease, get the fats right. So you want to be having 
good quality organic extra virgin olive oil, um, some uh, organic coconut oil, grass-fed organic butter, um, those types of avocado oil, but there's certain ones that you can heat and certain ones that you mustn't heat above certain temperatures because they can be very damaging. And, and that's part of what we do when we work with clients is to educate them on that. So that would be my first thing because not enough people are talking about fats and the damages that it can do. Yeah. Um, the second one would be to make sure that you're controlling your blood sugar, as we talked about, because we know that that increases insulin and increases inflammation. Right. Um, the third one would be to get an idea of how food makes you feel because that is the best way to understand, aside from genetic testing, what the right diet for you is and to become super intentional about it. And that's only kind of a week of logging what happens, whether you get brain fog and how you feel. Um, make sure that you – I would always suggest that you do get some, um, you know, a couple of nutrition consults and, and a DNA test. We, we can offer that to understand what your carbon fat sensitivity is, how well you detoxify and what your inflammation levels are and how you might need to support yourself nutritionally. Um, it also enables you to find out what kind of vitamins and mineral balances you need for your optimal health to very much protect you. And also to make sure that you are – getting the right balance of omega-3s versus omega-6s. So these are both um, functional fats that we need in our diet that we can't make ourselves. And so we have to find them in our food. But many people have them in the wrong balance. So for example, they should be, omega-6 to 3 ratio should be around 3 or 4 to 1. But in the standard American diet, for example, we're seeing levels as high as 20 to 1. And that is causing inflammation. Um, So making sure you're getting enough omega-3, um, from oily fish, from good quality supplements. Um, and I emphasize good quality because if you take a fish oil that isn't a good quality one, then you're probably possibly going to do more harm than good. Um, and to become aware of any intolerances that you have because these do cause inflammation and they can cause gut permeability, but if you're, which can cause problems. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're eating a wide variety of fruit and veg and having some fermented foods in there to improve the health of your gut and the bacteria in your gut and the diversity of it with things like um, live yogurt, whether that's coconut yogurt or Greek yogurt, um, then those would be my top tips. Yeah, no, I think there's some some great tips there. I think, um, yeah, particularly around fermented foods, that's very good for your gut health as well. And I I have things like um, sauerkraut, and uh what's the um the other is it kombu- not kombucha kombucha yeah that, that's the yeah. drink isn't it what's the it the uh, that, and that can be quite high in sugar so yeah. for some people that aren't as active as you um yeah i think sauerkraut's a good one and the the live yogurts even like coconut yogurt are yeah. very good yeah um Probably. yeah apple cider vinegar and a bit of water is very good um, and also can help to a degree with blood sugar balance. Yeah. Um, but really, even just picking up, if you're not eating foods that have been heavily sprayed, just by eating a wide variety of plants, you're going to be getting those bacteria. Um, and being outside, getting in the dirt, being outside with your kids, your dog, all of that actually is amazing for healthy immunity. Yeah, I mean, um, and that comes onto the kind of old, whole wellness and mental health and stuff like that. Getting outside, getting fresh air, getting moving, and things like that. I think that yeah, that's that's so so important, and what and mm. which are so simple that we take for granted. The other thing that you mentioned there um, 
is around um, intolerances. And I read a statistic, and I can't remember the exact statistic, but it was around um, uh, what's the intolerance that everybody self-diagnoses? Gluten. 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 Yeah, yeah. gluten intolerance. But actually, I think it's about 90% of the people that diagnose it are not gluten intolerant. Uh, gluten intolerant and um you know obviously the dna testing will absolutely tell you whether you are whether you are or whether you aren't so um it will it will yeah it will tell you not 100 percent, but it will definitely tell you your genetic predisposition and when we combine that with the questionnaires you're going to have a very strong idea as to whether it affects you and and how much you can have yeah. um there is obviously celiac disease that some people it's an autoimmune disorder and that's when you can never have gluten right. but i would say the vast majority of people can moderate it in small amounts. But I think it's a big factor in brain fog. And people can test, you know, these things themselves as well. See how you feel after a big pizza compared to, you know, a salad. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But yeah, no DNA testing does help with that as Definitely. well. So before we wrap it up, is there anything that I didn't ask you which you feel uh, I should have and would benefit the listeners? Um I think the only thing I'd add to all of this, because we did get a little bit into lifestyle, yeah. is that people assume maybe too readily. You, you spoke about not being able to outrun a bad diet or out-exercise it, but also I think people have this perception that if they go to the gym once a day or go for a run, that's enough to undo a day's sedentary activity, yeah. and, and it isn't. And yeah. unfortunately, we're sitting way too much. So I encourage people to set a timer on their phone, aim for 10,000 steps minimum a day and get up and you know I'll if I'm at my desk I'll do Pomodoro sessions 25 minutes and then I'll swing a kettlebell around yeah. for a few minutes or do some jumping jacks yeah. and it's things like that taking the stairs parking as far away as you can um, just that all-round movement is so important and if you're trying to make yourself more insulin sensitive then even doing 60 seconds of some exercise before you eat your evening meal can improve that blood sugar regulation by as much as two or three times yeah absolutely and also going for a walk after your meal as well um, yes just yeah, yeah just getting up very much. yeah yeah absolutely fantastic yeah, Angela. Nice. well it's been um great to, to catch up with you today so how can people connect with you yeah, so they can, if they're interested in more on the DNA side, they can go to mydnaedge.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Angela S. Foster, and on Facebook, um, on Angela Foster and My DNA Edge. And then if they're interested more in the kind of high performance side of things, um, they can find me at angelafosterperformance.com and I have a podcast coming out called High Performance Health. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll be uh, sure to subscribe to that and give you a review. But um, thank thank you you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com. 